happy place. One, two, three, four, five. And count to five, it's pretty good to be alive. That it's great to be alive. When you play in records with John. Hey, all you lucky listeners out there in earbud land, and welcome to another exciting episode of Playing Records with John. I'm your host, the titular John. And, you know, I always say lucky listeners, and I always say exciting episode, and that's alliteration in both cases. I didn't, I didn't know about that. I need to get that checked. But this really is an exciting episode, and you really are lucky listeners today, because my guests on this episode of the show are a whole band. The band Drelear is here. That means we've got singer-guitarist Jackie Lowe, we've got bass player Mandy Graffio, and we've got, rounding out the band, legendary Birmingham drummer Mikey D. Williams on, what else, Calliope. The album they're here to talk about comes out today. When this podcast is released, you'll be able to buy the album, or you can have bought the album, I suppose, and now be listening to this. But either way, the band and I insist that you listen to this podcast and you buy their album. If uh, you do those two things, then we won't have any problems here. Uh, but the album is called Throw Hands, and you can find it wherever you buy albums, I guess, unless you buy albums somewhere really weird that I don't know about. But I'm recommending the normal streaming platforms uh, and or a record store like Birmingham's Seasick Records, which I know is carrying the vinyl. You know, this is the kind of album you want on vinyl. So maybe look at the Seasick Records website or the band's website, drelear.com, to pick it up on that format. Now, not on this call, but, but felt throughout in terms of his presence is uh, Jackie's husband, Jason Hamrick, who produced the album and has had a lot to do with kind of shaping the sonics of the band. Um, gosh, I don't know what else to say. These are great people. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I was looking forward to getting them on this podcast for quite some time, uh, just because they're very nice. Uh, they're uh, a, a good band uh, with a cool name and, and a great album. And um, yeah, I think you're going to love them. Uh, here is the wonderful Jackie Lowe, the amazing Mandy Graffio, and um, you know, the thought-provoking Mikey D. Williams. Yeah, so Drelear comes from um, my AOL Instant Messenger uh, from back in 1994, 95, whenever I got internet for the first time at the house and did a lot of chat rooms and hanging out with my friends and trying to come up with a name that was um, interesting. And so it's it's supposed to be like a proper name, like I I am Drelear and Dre is just one of those weird words that I just looked up, you know, <laughs> back in the day that means like to endure something, to endure something painful. And then Lear, of course, is, you know, like an unwanted gaze or unwanted look. So together it kind of created the the ultimate kind of emo kid name, uh, which became my AOL Instant Messenger tag as well. And um, years and years later, I was like, you know, it's so hard to come up with a band name. And that was one of those names that kind of just stuck with me over the years and um, thought it looked good in print, thought it sounded good, thought it um, had a good meaning based on what the music was that we were creating. And um, I went to Mandy and I was like, hey, you know, do you want to 
do you want to name the band Drelia? And she was like, yeah, I'm down because <laughs> we couldn't find. It's so incredibly <laughs> hard to find a band name and um, to find something that wasn't taken. I was like, we're buying it. We're going to do it right now. So um, so it's stuck ever since. Well, no, that's that's very true about band names because it's like the, every band name is kind of stupid until you <laughs> use it and then it becomes the name. And then you're like, that's the name of the band. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's like you worry so much. I'm not saying that's stupid, but I'm just saying every band name you could pick apart. You could stand from a distance and say, well, what about this? But once you just accept it, it's like it's like naming a kid or something. It's just like now it has a name and we don't have yeah. to worry about it anymore. It, like you don't think about it every time, except if you do have a name that has a story behind it, it has to be something you don't mind explaining. So yeah. I feel like you have at least a pretty good <laughs> explanation. One thing I did notice there is you said you went to Mandy and asked her about the band name. Uh, it was already assumed that you guys, I mean, were you already in the, like, what was the decision there to start a band with Mandy and you know, how did that uh, develop? Yeah. So I had this, a handful of songs um, that I just, you know, been saving on my phone and, and, and writing and thinking about. And, um, I really, my first band I ever was in was an all girl kind of like little punk rock trio. And I loved playing music with women. And I was like, you know, and I love like having female backup vocals. And I just love, um, the camaraderie of playing music with another woman. So I was, you know, hanging out with Mandy and Mikey a ton and, and I knew that Mandy played guitar, so I was like, hey, you know, I really am feeling guitar for this band. How do you feel about bass? And she was like, I'm game, I'll, I'll try it out. So we started like playing on these songs and trying to figure it out and, and then, <laughs> then found, tried to figure out a band name afterwards. Yeah, and she shot down my band name that I wanted to go with. Nobody will no. use it. No. Tank <laughs> Punch. No. <laughs> so I'm Mike still like, holding oh. out for that one. Maybe an album name. I don't know. You know, when I used to do graphic design, sometimes if you wanted to like make someone feel like they really had gotten their money's worth, you would throw in a couple of logos you didn't really like just to kind of make it seem like you would come up with a lot of things. That's what yeah. Taint Punch is. Right, <laughs> Taint exactly. Punch is the name that makes you realize what a good name Dree Lear is. Right. <laughs> I can't get anybody to be in this band with me. <laughs> hundreds of just voice memos on my phone because um, I don't know if an idea comes to me and I uh, will immediately forget it. Oh, somebody's at the front door. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> You're popular tonight. I know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of ideas come to me and I, I have to immediately write them down. And if I don't have some way to record it, I'm like, I don't remember how that melody went. And so I'll just kind of sing into the phone or uh, find a little quiet moment to pick up guitar and just try to figure out this the chord structure and um I go back to them all the time like I'm just like okay how can I build on this I'll have like all these little snippets of ideas and um 
build on them for sure. Like I, the whole album was basically written off off um, voice memo notes. Well, phone. isn't that cool that you had some way to capture it and that you can now <laughs> recognize like these songs wouldn't exist probably if you hadn't done yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Because I'll, I have the bad habit of doing the voice memo thing, but I almost never go back to it. Occasionally, I'll be like searching for a particular song, but I have a bad habit of thinking something's a great idea and then never coming back to it and then calling it something like, you know, Pooh Bear number three or something. And then like, <laughs> I'm not going to come, I'm not going to know what that <laughs> track is. Um, so, so like, how did you choose, did you pick songs of a certain style? Like, how did you know what the material for this project was going to be from those hundreds of voice memos? Um, I, I honestly think that the name Drelier, it, it is also kind of reminiscent on how I write songs, because I really kind of went back and found that kind of inner 14-year-old kind of sitting in my bedroom, wanting to like listen to music and make mixtapes and things like that. So thinking about where I was in life, what I was listening to, how I felt about things, you know, just that nostalgia of that time in life is always really kind of fascinating to me and and such a nice memory. And so I kind of just found myself being really comfortable writing um, in that headspace. And then I think the name just kind of solidified like, oh, this is this is Jackie going back and finding um, her little inner 14 year old and and trying to capture that essence again um, <laughs> years later, which has been really fun. Um, so it, it the, there's no thought behind what the song is going to be about or sound like. It's just naturally how I write. Like, I can't really. Like if I write a song, I'm like, oh, that sounds like, you know, like this is my song. This is exactly how I write. I understand. Like I can look at a guitar and go, that's how I structure a song. And I always go, you know, the third, and I, you know, like I know that about myself and it's just naturally how I've, how I've gone back to write. Um, but yeah, there wasn't really the only like real thought that goes into the specifics of how the song is needs to be on the album is thinking about the album in an entirety of well, there needs to be like one song that's a little softer and kind of a little, in, you know, more introverted. And then there need to be, you know, at the very end, I was like real or after we started playing for a little while, I realized I was like, we need like two more real, real high energy rockers because thinking about the live show. And so the album kind of feels like it fills all of those voids and it feels like a live show to me and how we would structure it as well. You know, in many ways, too, it's the logical next step to your solo album under the name Jackie Lowe, Until I'm a Ghost. I was listening to that today, too. And it's like, oh. it's not, It. I mean, it definitely feels like, okay, this is almost like, okay, where's this artist going next? It's a, it's like a, it's a, it's a leaner approach. It's a little bit more, uh, I mean, I hate to just, over, we're going to, I might overuse the word rock tonight. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, there's just a straightforward kind of rock and roll approach to it. But it's like, it's got that college rock, alternative rock kind of thing that again, I, those fuzzy guitars and you're, you were talking about the, 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 the female background vocals. And so, I mean, there's just so mm-hmm. many things that are like, it's a nostalgia bomb, but it's not, it's not confined by that. I find that so much with music I'm listening to now that it's like, it maybe leap off from something that, that reminds me of something. But as with all things, comparisons are kind of bullshit after after you hear a few minutes of, <laughs> of a good record. You know what I mean? So it's cool that you just kind of let these songs collect. I, I guess I'd, I'd, I'd bring uh, Mandy and Mikey into the conversation now and say, like, when you were hearing this material, uh, how, how did it, I mean, were you excited to get into this band? Did you, did you instantly kind of get a feel for what the, the identity of this music was going to be? I was totally relating to it. 
<clears throat> immediately. I think Jackie and I have very similar taste in music. Like she, she's turned me on to a lot of other groups that you know, that I never would have just reached out and and listened to. You know, normally, I'm one of those people. Like most of my music, uh, like where I find music is from movies and soundtracks mm-hmm. and that's how i find artists a lot of times you know because they've got a snippet mandy i sometimes get turned on to a band from like a commercial <laughs> same yeah. I mean, i'm so embarrassed uh, that i'll be like hey. i'll be like doing like what was that cool song on the samsung commercial you know where the person goes whoa 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 shazamming <laughs> it yeah i'm hoping we can you know score a commercial at some point i'd be totally down with that as long as people hear our music but no, I mean, she's she she and I have such a similar taste in music that it was easy for me to get on board with this, like everything she writes, everything she does. And it's easy for me to play, <laughs> which is a plus. But everything she does is, is, you know, it's in my head like it's it's it gets in my ear. It's an earworm and I fall in love with it. And then I hear the lyrics and I'm like, well, yeah, I fucking feel that way, too. Mikey, was what was it for you? You had only joined three bands that day, and you were like, "I've got time <laughs> for another one." <laughs> well, to be to be fair, uh, I, I started out kind of being the outside looking in because the original drummer uh, Tim Frazier started out with them, and uh, he was with y'all for how long? The first year. Is he on the seven inch? Yes. And then uh, eventually he, he, you know, kind of want to do something else or whatnot. He was in one band too many. <laughs> But still not as many as Mikey. <laughs> and planning a wedding. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was juggling a bunch of things at one time. But uh, so anyway, uh, they were like, well, f- what, what are we going to do? And I was like, hey. Jackie was like, do you think Mikey would want to like go and do some recordings for us for drums? And I said, I mean, I'm sure he would. Let me ask. I said, Mikey, do you want to go and you know lay, lay down some tracks for some recordings? He's like, I want to be in the band. No, no, no. I think he said... Fuck that. I'm in the band. (laughs) That's the way you do it. They pretty much had the songs already put together by the time I joined the band and all. And then once, you know, we got together, uh, once I got in there and we started rehearsing and all and really tightened it up, uh, it, I think it just kind of gave it a little bit more, a bit more push, you know, to the dynamics and all. So. A little more rock. He definitely gets a sped up there sometimes. <laughs> That's a Mikey thing. You got to hang on. <laughs>
so so the album uh, uh, Throw Hands has got nine songs on it. The EP or Seven Inch had two. So were you already playing a lot of the songs on the album then in your sets at that point? Or yeah, we were playing most of them. I think the only ones um, that we don't really play live and were kind of written, um, you know, during the actual recording um, was Runaway. Um, that's one of those that we're still trying to kind of figure out. You know, do we want to play it live? Do we want to open the set with it? That's the kind of spooky one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you listen to that voice in your mentioned before about kind of knowing an album needs a kind of outlier track on it that is that what motivated the fact that that song was created after the fact or during the fact of of recording it yeah partially I I think part of it was that um I felt like the album needed one more song and I it was this funny little song that I just kind of had in my my voice memos um so I, I had a couple of voice memo ideas, and I was like, I feel like the album needs one more song. I think nine is a good kind of magic number. Eight felt weird. I kind of like an album that either has like nine or ten ten songs on it. Felt better to me. And um, I was playing the voice memos for Jason, and I was like, Does this one work? Does this have any? And he was like, Nope, that's it. That's the one. We're gonna figure this one out. And so we kind of just sat with that one in the studio and um, and, and built on it from there. That's the one with the big um, toms at the end. That's really fun. Is that the one in the studio where you were conducting me? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if we have video footage of that somewhere. <laughs> oh, bigger. And you're standing there and all of a sudden you wave your hands like you're pointing at me because we pretty much kind of like did that on the spot. We really didn't even have that rehearsed. So Jackie was like, and hit it here. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a definitely learn as you go moment for Mikey. Yeah, this is definitely fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing. So I tried to channel my inner Brian Wilson for a second and pretend I had a whole orchestra in the room. <laughs> uh huh. It was fun, <laughs> but no goats, no goats.
if I'm on stage, I want people to be like sweating in the audience. Like I want to be feedback and I want it to be loud and I want it, you know, just it, I, I want them to enjoy themselves and just kind of get lost in that loudness. Um, so it's important for me to be loud. Like I feel like the the information that we're putting out there is is something um, that's that needs to be said loudly. I was thinking about the making of this record. Was it recorded before everything kind of went to shit last year, or was it recorded in the midst of all that? And if so, how, how what were the logistics of making a record in uh, in this era? We did the drum tracks right before Christmas. Yeah, December of two thousand nineteen, and then. We were starting to get, you know, the guitar and bass tracks and all that, the other stuff uh, laid down. We were in the process right before the whole uh, pandemic kind of started hitting and everything. And then uh, as things over time just started filling in what needed to be finished. Yeah. And then I came in, it was shortly after, after lockdown, um, Jackie had gotten, I mean, that's the beauty of having your own home studios there too. And them living so close is that Jackie got all her scratch vocals and everything done and guitars down. I went over, took a couple of days, went over and knocked a few uh, songs out here and knocked a few songs out there and with Jason. And then, you know, he did his magic that he did. <laughs> Yeah, that's the beautiful thing is that we could record everything at the house except for yeah. drums, which we had already kind of gotten done and in the can before, you know, COVID hit. So it was kind of perfect timing in a weird way for us to be able to just spend some time and me to go, okay, tonight I'm going to do a vocal or like, hey, we need bass on these two. Can we call Mandy and like have her come over and just do bass on these two tracks and like mask it up and like <laughs> come in the back room mm -hmm. and come play bass on a couple of tracks and so you know it's so convenient we live very close to each other so it's easy to run over to each other's houses if we need to too so did did that mood uh, or the weirdness of that do you feel like that seeped into the record in any way i know you say a lot of these songs were written before any of that happened but did you feel like any of the anxiety or the kind of isolation was that you were even if you were just relishing the chance to 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 be loud and make music, did, do you feel like that ended up in the record? What came out of that that came out of the record is the fact that, I don't know, it kind of just honed in my little kind of DIY punk ethos a little bit more. Like I was like, you know, we can do this ourselves. We're going to do it ourselves. We're going to figure it out. Um, we don't have to do it with anybody else because then that's just one more person we're letting in our quarantine bubble. So let's just knock it out. Let's do it ourselves. And then when we started pushing it, when it was done, you know, started thinking about what record labels and people we wanted to pitch it to. And then it gets pushed out a year until anybody wants to put anything out. And I was like, you know what? Let's just DIY it ourselves again. Let's just put yeah. it out. Let's just be our own record label. Let's be our own thing. And, um, I think that's probably the thing I've taken away the most that, that, that COVID has brought to the table is that fact that I'm like, you know what, I'm just, you know, if I want to do it, I can do it and I'm going to do it myself and it's fun.
is it weird having this new album ready to come out and not having a world that you can book shows <laughs> and and kind of live that life? Yes, it is. It's weird, but it also makes me kind of proud because uh, you know, part of me, I'm someone who doesn't sit still or feel good if I don't have like 14 projects happening at the same time. Like I kind of have to always be doing multiple things. So knowing that uh, I have, and we have this product that was produced during COVID makes me feel productive about it. You know, it makes me feel like this is my COVID baby. (laughs) This is what (laughs) I've spent the last year uh, doing, but it does feel weird to not, um, to not do, you know, not be playing a record release, you know, not having these things. But we do have some stuff, you know, that we can't talk about quite yet. But, you know, we are lining some stuff up, hopefully for the fall. Um, I actually just got my first shot today. My arm hurts really bad. So, you know, we're, we're getting there. We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think um, building some buzz and, and getting the album out there and getting people excited, I think I'm hoping will like bring more joy to actually being able to like see it live in person soon ish <laughs> but it does feel weird not to be playing because we were on a track where we were playing um a show a month we were like some a really good show a month. like we we're opening yeah. for x hex we were supposed to open for against me on april 1st of last year you know and steph Chur, we we had some ugh, really good shows booked for really good stuff last year that just got so it's frustrating <laughs> i'm kind of the same as you said jackie like i get very motivated by the idea of like not wanting to, oh, this sounds bad but like not wanting to sit there and just be alone with my thoughts i kind of have to be pushing forward through things you know and working on creative stuff is like it is how i keep the wolves at bay so to speak and so yeah i feel like i did much more of that during the last year than i than i normally would because i had so much time did, did does, how do you guys feel about that is it do you feel more or less creative uh, in the last year mikey's definitely been creative in the last year he's spent a lot of time in this studio putting stuff together for a new album i have done absolutely shit with my time <laughs> <laughs> i've watched a lot of shit television that's 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 something <laughs> a lot of a lot of crap because i deal with my anxiety and my depression a little bit different than some folks probably why we haven't killed each other because he spends a lot of time in in the studio and I spend a lot of time in front of the TV. You got your baselines done and you were like, I'm done for the year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on hiatus. But I think that the, the slowing down has also been really healthy too. Mm-hmm. Though of the like being able to enjoy the fact that I struggle with that guilt of I'm not doing something right now and I should be doing something right now that I think that knowing that I can't sometimes is kind of put me in a in a, a better mindset where I'm not like coming you know every night having something else that i have to do now it's kind of you know i feel a little spoiled with with a little more free time
every band's different and every person writes differently and each style is a different genre so it's like and I just love music in general not just rock music but uh, you know I, I can even listen to old country stuff or or just the, the more different styles of music you can take in uh, it it just kind of helps create your own musical vocabulary and whatnot. His favorite is AM Gold. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is. I mean, you know, there's some pretty sweet stuff on AM Gold. I'm not going to knock AM Gold. What's a favorite? <clears throat> Eddie Rabbit. All right. <laughs> Love a Rainy Night. I was just about to break into that. Love a Rainy Night. It's <laughs> Ronnie Millsap. Stranger in my house. I love okay. to just play five seconds of like random Am Gold songs, and Mikey's like, "I know exactly what it is." Name that cheese. <clears throat> it's fun. There was actually a one night. Uh, this a couple of years back, we're hanging out at Jason and Jackie's. Yeah, that's when I. And that's when I discovered that you were the living Shitzam savant. Right, <laughs> Shitzam. That's good. Jason was like on YouTube, and he was just like picking random like cheesy 80s metal oh, it was off awful. of his phone and he's like i'm not going to show you what it is i just want to play a snippet of it and you tell me what it is and i like nailed them all and they were just like <laughs> how do you know that because it was like because it's like the worst garbage that nobody wants I to listen to i didn't even know to. a band called zebra existed <laughs> of course like, it does. Was it did they zebra? wear striped spandex they had to right? well, yeah. they had to wear striped <laughs> that spandex. was striper i remember them no mandy they were bumblebees <laughs> they were yellow and black Zebra would have like white and black, I'm assuming. The black and white was quite right. Thank you very much. I have those pants. There's a lot of great stuff in the 70s, and that was the stuff that inspired me to become a musician in the first place. Was listening to my mom's records, sneaking into her, you know, closet in her bedroom, and sneaking out the records onto my little Happy Days uh, record player, and figuring out that okay, 45 speed does this, 33 does this, you know, uh, because she had a bunch of different seven inches, and then, uh, you know full-size records which i didn't i didn't know they were called lps at the time but um i started out with seven inches and then uh the first lp i pulled out i didn't know what it was until later but it was the beatles for sale and and i i still had it on 45 speed and it's like wow that sounds kind of weird and also it's like well what's this switch do so i moved 33 and then uh dropped the needle and uh the first i mean it's it's still my probably my favorite Beatles song, uh, and it's uh, the opening track to Beatles for Sale uh, called No Reply, and it's just a beautiful song, man. Well, that's a good... I love that, like those records that your parents had around that really made a mark. I, I would love to maybe hear that from from everybody. Jackie, what's one that, that was, was just around that you absorbed and you, that you can see now you know, had an effect? Yeah, both of my parents were big music nuts and had a pretty decent... Um collection of records that I definitely scoured through as a teenager. I was the only one in the family that was like headphones and like records, like as a latchkey kid, I was like, I'm going to listen to records. Um, But I think that the two that I've always just kind of stuck with me are, um, I don't know, it's a cross between, you know, Beatles are definitely a first love of mine and and Abbey Road and the White Album kind of always have been 
really important to me. And then Led Zeppelin four was the other one that I really connected with as a kid too. Um, just from oh, beginning yeah. to end, I can listen to that album continuously. Um, but you know, my parents were really into like a lot of like, you know, sixties, great psych stuff. And my dad was really into the blues. So it was a, a really interesting collection to, to dig through, but I got a lot of, you know, a lot of Beatles, a lot of Eric Clapton, a lot of Zeppelin, um, for sure, uh, at, at a very young age. And what about you, Mandy? Oh, uh, well, my parents, <laughs> didn't, my parents didn't have a lot of albums at all. Like, vinyl, I remember they had tapes, and, like, my mom was listening to, like, fucking Anne Murray and James Taylor. Yes. So, of course, I, I grew up Ooh. listening to that as well, but, like, my my siblings my brother and my sister who are both you know a few years older than me um like i remember the first two albums i would sneak into my sister's room when she wasn't home and listen to was michael jackson's off the wall absolutely loved that album like i could not stop it's a great record to it. and uh and then whatever happened to that guy yeah right <laughs> um <laughs> and then the other the other one we uh was prince like controversy i mean i can remember listening to dance music sex romance and and blushing and just knowing if my parents caught me listening to this i was gonna be <laughs> in the biggest trouble but i think i even like pulled my boom box into my sister's room and recorded a tape from the album that I could just listen to <laughs> all the time of that record, you know. Like, but, did you use yeah. actual technology to record it or did you like record no, in the I room? Like, like oh, yes. wow, I love that. I love that. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it. I was really young. But, uh, but I, then I also had, you know, for my own personal record player, I had. That's old school DIY I, there. I had, <laughs> did you have yourself in there going, shh, I'm making it happen. But then I'd go to my room and I'd put on my Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton Islands in the stream vinyl, you know, wore the hell out of that one. Kenny, so I, you know, I, I had like the solid gold hits of Kenny Rogers, which was like an album. And you, you, the cover is like gold bars falling down that have the names of the songs on them. <laughs> um, that and like Tom Jones, best of that my mom had. That was those were hugely influen influential. And then my dad had the Beatles records and like folk stuff like the Kingston Trio. And he also had like some Yes, which I didn't really get into, but I always kind of respected my dad's, you know, blissing and i realized he was going in there and getting high and listening to yes when i was a kid i just thought that seems awful calm you know the well, thing about it is is you have to get high to be able to listen to yes right. Right. why is dad playing piano in the dark uh, for three hours uh, i don't know it's in the zone having that music around definitely uh you know it influences your tastes in in ways that are different from the stuff you used to kind of start reaching out for and i think that that's a big significant thing when you're talking about that 14 year old self jackie i think about that was the age where i really started finding stuff what are maybe some specific bands or or you know songs that that are kind of in your head when you think about the the music of Dre Lear luckily uh that time frame was also you know mid 90s which was when a lot of great uh, fuzz guitar was coming out and uh, and I was definitely making a ton of uh, mixtapes of myself uh, with my little dual cassette in my bedroom that I didn't realize had an open mic on it so when <laughs> I would record there's recordings of my dad opening the door being like what are you doing I'm like I'm just recording this song on the radio real quick and then you know I go back and listen to the tape and it's my cute little like just listen to the radio 
over. That means like, you, you and Nirvana. your dad did the just listen to the radio remix of that song. Uh, oh gosh, I wish I could find that cassette now. So, I, I, <laughs> you know, I think all of those, all of those '90s, you know, loud guitar bands, um, and there, there are a lot of like amazing women that that are role models too. Like PJ Harvey's probably my number one. Um, you know, Liz Fair, Exile and Guyville is probably top five records of mine of all time. You know, I love like L7. I love Veruca Salt. I love, you know, Nirvana and Mud Honey and, you know, everything coming out, you know, all of that great, loud and raucous music has, has never left my ears, you know, since it came out. And it's always, you know, it's, it's fun to go back and listen to. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize like, I forgot about that song. And then I'm like, I probably <laughs> love that song more than most things. And then and and I just love going back and finding those those bands and those moments and, and forgetting about those albums. And um I think that's probably why I like to play a loud guitar more than anything, is because that's what my first loves of that were my own music were all of those great nineties loud bands. Yeah. And, you know, furthermore, as a person with a radio show, you are, I mean, uh, I don't want to throw the word tastemaker around willy-nilly here, but I mean, like, this idea of sort of having taste and trusting your taste and kind of curating, I mean, that seems like that's a through line, too. You know, you you uh, maybe talk a little bit about the Jackie Lowe Show, which, by the way, you just had an eight-year anniversary, correct? Yeah. Yeah, insane. I've been doing a movie podcast uh, now for, it'll be about, it'll be... Oh, Will it be 10 years next year? Oh, my but gosh. The, but the show has been going for 10 years as of a few months from now, and I joined about a year into it. So we've been sitting there doing and people have said, wow, 10 years. And it's like, yeah, you know how you get to 10 years? You just don't stop doing something that <laughs> <laughs> no one's asking us to do. Like, we just do it. And it's like, wow, you really, oh, 10 years. It's like, yeah, ten? no one came in and, like, knocked the microphones out of our hands, after, you know, within 10 years. So we're until that happens. But, yeah, what does that feel like? And also, like, yeah, maybe talk a little bit about that idea of, you know, curating that show um, and and just what that means to you. So I, I think it also goes back to finding that happiness in my inner child of, of making those mixtapes in my bedroom by myself and, you know, or, you know, having a crush on a boy and being like, oh, I've got to make him like the ultimate mixtape. So I get to do that every week, which is fantastic. So, uh, you know, the good thing about the Jackie Lowe show is, um, you know, something I learned very early in life with and in, in, in studying music too, and and, and some of my professors, uh, one of my favorite professors of all time, told me one day in class. He said, "People will be way more creative if you give them parameters. If you just let them run wild and free, you're going to get lost. Like you will never be able to rein yourself in. But if you give someone just even just wide parameters." Uh, the the amount of creativity that can come from that is is remarkable, and that's why at the very beginning I was like, I need parameters, or I'm not going to last. And so, I made myself every week sit down and think of some thread, some theme, some idea, some interview of some person um, to keep a focus on the show every week. And that's what's kept me going. Is like I'm like, okay, next week I'm going to talk about, you know. Like this week I did everything from birth until death. So the entirety of life from birth until childhood, until teenagers, until adulthood, until actually like dying uh, and putting a, a playlist together that fits into all of that. So it's been an absolute joy to get to do that for eight years um, on Substrate Radio. And then um, I guess this, I guess in a few months, it'll be five years on um Birmingham Mountain Radio, which is really cool too. So it's been interesting to see the FM response and the messages I get. And um, 
it's 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 interactive it's fun it's it's a way to reach a wider audience and play music that radio doesn't usually play which is really fun and that's kind of my goal is to sneak in a few pretty fantastic songs that i know don't get regular radio play just just to know that they're out there in the ether <laughs> someone's driving around in their car going what is this this is amazing well you know when you're in the car and that happens it is magic like you want to you want to cheer and be like oh my god i can't believe i'm hearing this on the radio i could <laughs> i could choose to listen to this but on a million services that i subscribe to but the fact that someone else is playing it is incredibly yeah. meaningful i think we lose that with radio a lot that, yeah. you know, and I, I miss that, I like, I don't mean I miss it because I don't think it ever happened, but I feel like I've missed out on the bands I like being all over the radio and whenever it happens, it is a great, a great joy. So that's yeah. cool that you kind of view it that way from the other side too. Yeah, I'll, I'll get those messages every once in a while. I was like, oh, I forgot it was Monday night and I forgot it was your show. And then I heard this song and I was like, oh, I love this song. And then I realized it was you. And like, you know, I get those sweet messages and I was like, yeah, that's, that's makes all those hours of uh, reading lyrics and making sure there's no bad words on the FM and, and all of the time and effort it takes and all the money you spend buying all the music and stuff like that. It makes it all worthwhile knowing that like one person can enjoy it. Yes, if just one person enjoys the show, then those are terrible ratings. But it's, it, but it's great. <laughs> it's great for them. Well, I do want to uh, get back to the album a little bit because there were some things I just was kind of wondering about with like the kind of creation of it. I don't know, between the recording the drums in the studio and Mandy kind of uh, wandering over whenever she felt like to record a bass line <laughs> in between, <laughs> I'm assuming like true crime television or something like that. Um, exactly. <laughs> I see your Facebook posts. I know what you're all about. <laughs> but like, um, are there any stories or anything particularly memorable about the making of the album or, or you know, trying to figure out a particular arrangement or a particular part that, that stand out to you? I don't know. I got to spend a lot more time with the album this year because it's at my house, which is really nice. And I'm such a, not like control freak, but I like to know about the process. I like to learn about it. Um, Anybody who says they're not a control freak is a control freak. I'm a control freak. It's <laughs> yeah, okay. I am too. So <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm okay yeah, with it. Yeah, you got to embrace it. <laughs> but it, it, it made me be able to spend more time with it. It made me not feel confined in um, vocals, which are really always, I'm never... I don't know. Anyone who records their own vocals, you know, you're always like, I could do that better. Or like I said that one word a little weird or I dropped off when I really wanted to go up. I got to spend more time with that, which was nice. And and I got to to actually go in and do a little bit of editing and fixing stuff, which I've never done before. So Jason was like, here, this is how you do it. And and gave me a little bit of rain. So that was kind of fun that I got to learn more about the process um, and yeah, I don't know. Mandy, Mikey, did is there anything that stands out with y'all that uh, I feel like I just spent so much time in this back room that I'm sitting in right now, actually just <laughs> toiling away at it. I'm like, I don't remember much about it after all. When Jackie asked me to come on and play bass with this band, I was like, sure. I haven't picked up a bass since 2006, 
but I'll do it. And even when I owned a bass, I didn't play it like much. Like I wasn't teaching myself or learning. I've spent most of my time learning or teaching myself how to play guitar. Um, and I have, you know, experience in other musical instruments, you know, in my, in my background. So getting over there with Jason and he's like, why don't you try playing the bass line like this? Or do you think you can do this? And I love somebody to show me something like that. Cause I mean, it, it, it helps me expand my knowledge and I don't mind taking criticism and you better tell me it sucks. Cause I don't want it to sound like crap. Right. So I, it was totally easy for me and Jason to get in there and knock this stuff out. You know, he even gave me a couple of bass lines and he was like, why don't you try it like this? I was like, all right, I'm going to take it home, work on it, you know, perfect it to my, to my best. And then I'll come back and, you know, record it. So honestly, for me, it was learning how to just be a little fancier on that baseline, you know? <laughs> so for me, I guess it was probably just being challenged by, by Jason to do a little bit more. It's great when somebody is kind of taking a bird's eye view of the music, because when you're playing in a band, I mean, you know it all pretty much inside and out, but there's still something you might miss that's a producer, if they're doing their job, is going to see, you know, and 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 kind of know how to shape that. Yeah, well, this, this was my first time being in a band, so it's all new to me anyway. Yeah. You know, I've worked on my own music for, a, you know, years, but I've never played with anyone until this point. Never played a live show until this point, you know. So it was... It's been interesting for me. I, I'm definitely not going to be one to say, I don't want to do it that way because what the <laughs> hell do I know? You know? Right. So I'm going to take it from these pros here and just suck, soak it all in and, and learn as much as I can about it all. I would love to hear if you have, if any of you, uh, you know, or each of you, favorite tracks or songs you you're really excited about from the from the record. I, I, I like Throat a lot. Yeah, that was going to be my choice as well. I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of that one. To me, Throat is one of those super intense songs. Like it's rock and, and it's got this power to it, but it's also kind of upsetting on a certain. I mean, again, I, as I think it should be, but that one really hit me hard from that that imagery level of like whether it's metaphorical or not. But it seems like you could take it very literally. You know that there could be some abuse or something really dark going on. It it is, and in fact, I was so pissed off watching the Kavanaugh trials and, and and all of that stuff that I was like, you know, it really pisses me off when I like hear about women and they get put on the stand and no one listens to them. And I got so mad reading her statements about, you know, she remembers there's laughter from, the you know, in the other room, like these details of those things that you remember on those traumatic, traumatic experiences and and then not getting believed on top of that. That's kind of what started that thought process on this on that song. And, and and it can be anything. I mean, it can be an abusive relationship. It can be I just spoke up and no one listened to me. It can be just not feeling, you know, included in something. It can be whatever it needs to be to the listener. Uh, but for me, it was just 
you know, just right before the Me Too movement kind of really launched when that song came out and then all of that exploded and it was just nice to be like, you know what? <laughs> it wasn't just me. Everyone thought that. And um, yeah, that was a that was a really fun one um, to get out of my system and get out in the world. important for me to talk about those issues and not play the victim like Mm -hmm. I absolutely refuse to be silent and I refuse to be the victim and I'm gonna flip it on its script and I'm gonna take ownership of it and you know like if you want to listen then more power to you but I'm not gonna shut up I hope there are some 14 year old girls hearing this music and being inspired uh, to kind of keep that cycle going me too Honestly, this has meant a lot. I've been, like I've, I've looked forward to this. I love the new record. Um, I hope you all see great fortune with it. I hope there's some way, maybe some kind of virtual show or something, that people are able to kind of share the 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 excitement you guys have about this about this music. But um, before we go, I just want to know everyone. Maybe you should tell me where you can be found online to the extent that you want to be found online. And Jackie, I definitely want you to plug the Jackie Lowe Show so that people out there know where to listen to it. Sure. Um, you can follow me at the Jackie Lowe Show. It's J A C K I E L O. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I do a weekly radio show on Substrate Radio and Birmingham Mountain Radio. Of course, you can follow Drelier. It's D R E E L E E R. dot com is our website with all of our merch and interesting uh, seven inch and our album and all that good stuff and t shirts and all of that fun stuff. And of course, we're Drelier on Facebook and Twitter on Instagram. All of that good stuff too. You can find me on OnlyFans. Um, just kidding. <laughs> That's probably the only social media account I don't have. Um, I have one. <laughs> Mikey's got one. I so, have one. You know. yeah. so, he had to do something during this time that he was off from his other jobs. So. Yep. Quote unquote um, plumber. Right. Mikey yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it, but, uh, yeah, I, basically, <laughs> you, can, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I've, I've, Twitter. I've got them all. So look for star stuff or Mandy Graffio on there. You'll find me. All right. And Mikey? Only fans. <laughs> only fans. <laughs> only, only fans. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
In all seriousness, folks, you can find Mikey online outside of OnlyFans. You can find him on Instagram at Mikey D Drums, and you can look for his music page on Facebook at Mikey D Williams Drummer. And I'm also recommending that you go to wherever you look for music and seek out his debut self-titled album under the name Michael Leon. Uh, as for this podcast, look for F-Y-I-Z, the call letters for this feed. Subscribe to that, and it'll get you future episodes of Playing Records with John, as well as other shows that you might find to be somewhat similar and equally enjoyable. But for now, i got to get out of here and uh, throw hands at something. You can't just be called Taint Punch. You have to be making the music of Taint Punch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, whereas you Junior have to is a be little bit more. Taint Punch. <laughs> you have to be the Taint. <laughs>